<laughs> Good job. I, I nailed it. Figured for sure Coastal was going to say on two at some point during that run up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to keep us here all night. I, I, I know people have babies and I have a snowstorm and whatnot. <laughs> it's similar to a baby right is that is that how babies work yeah, yeah. you gotta shovel them occasionally yeah exactly yeah okay. right, you just sit inside and watch netflix and wait for the the baby to be over <laughs> the sun to come out and warm everything up and the baby's done <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, it, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch in Unbeatable Goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 566. Coming to you from the high school home of Jameson Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm your host this week, Jason Triplett. This show, we're going to discuss our anxieties as Pacer fans. And we'll do a stat of the week and we'll answer an unagoogable. Joining me to do this are two of our analysts, coast to coast, like butter toast. First, from Asheville, North Carolina, he's our in house bartender, mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Undebeatables? What is up, Pacer Nation? Um, I am uh, still locked in a basement um, in, a, in a, a snowstorm. So um, what I want you to know is that I haven't forgotten about you. Thanks. It's been days. Should we send help? It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have Potentially. Rations? Oh yeah, I've, I've I've got I've got at least three more bottles of wine. I'll be fine. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, and from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What is going on, fellas? Not much. I think um, the show is slated to come out on January twentieth, which I believe is the anniversary of the first episode of the Undebeatables. Oh my goodness! Yes, exactly. Uh, so shout out to you guys and shout out to Joey, who we are missing this week, uh, dearly, who without his participation, this would never have ever, ever gotten off the ground. This was Uh, his plan. Yes. And it's his fault. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so before we start the show, we want to remind you, you can support us a a couple ways. Uh, we always do the spiel about Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash undebeatables. Subscribe for as low as a dollar a month. Uh, Every little bit helps. Uh, And you can also uh, support us every time you shop at Amazon. It doesn't cost you any extra money. Just follow the link in the show notes or go to theundebeatables.com slash Amazon and uh, they'll send us a cut of whatever you spend, which is great for us. Okay, so this week... uh, Colson said, just turn it over to me. I got it under control. Um, I'm going to do a thing. So that's what I'm doing right now. Colson, you want to talk about your anxieties of about the Pacers, which I thought we've been doing for 565 episodes. But <laughs> Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I, I, part of it was, was that I was like, hey, look, this is the apparently the ninth anniversary of our show. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to pay tribute to what this show was about um, the reason that Joey wanted to make this a, a podcast is because the four of us would sit around, you know, at the end of the night, having some beers and we, you know, after we'd caught up on our lives, we'd talk about what's going on with the Pacers. And I think on some level, this show should just be that 
basic. Um, I don't. <clears throat> I have said this stat numerous times, and I'm going to say it one more time. But since 1991, um, the Pacers are more likely to make the Eastern Conference Finals than they are to miss the playoffs. We are now in a situation where we're going to miss the playoffs. Um, and so as my friends, not as my fellow podcasters, but as my friends, I would call you and I would be worried about it and I would want to talk about what the issues are. And so I think what I want to do is just on a very basic strip down this strip down the whole thing. Let's not come up with topics. It's not about that. This podcast isn't about topics. It's about us hanging out on the phone. And here's the deal. Or let's sit around a beer and talking about what's going on with the Pacers. And my issue right now is it doesn't seem like any of the guys that we thought were blue chippers are blue chippers. The only joy we've had this season is bringing back Lance Stevenson. So what are you doing as a fan? I mean, we've been doing this for so long. I'm talking about podcasting. We've been fans for so long that, like, we have to find ways to – keep doing this yeah i mean this has been admittedly a, a very tough season to to watch this team and uh i don't know what keeps pulling me back i guess just habit is what pulls me back i've been doing this for the vast majority of my life and uh yeah we root for laundry i still want to see these guys do well i suppose that what interests me right now is sort of the the dynamics on the floor as these guys are uh, being shopped around the, the trade block. Like, I, I have been trying to pick up sort of what the interactions and vibes are between sort of the players uh, amongst themselves and between Carlisle and the players. And, like, does he seem chummy-chummy with with anybody like are there you know people nearly coming to blows or anything like that we haven't seen a lot of that there was i forget who was involved but sabonis and some uh, i think it was lavert yeah. got into a shouting match uh, a while back but that and, seemed healthy to me it seemed uh, like more <laughs> better than worse right yeah absolutely i totally agree um i was you know heartened i think it was in one of the boston games last week there was a moment where uh, Lavert and uh, Carlisle were hanging out on the sidelines, and they seemed to be sort of joking and jocular and and whatnot, and and having a plan, which I thought was good. Um, so it's those kind of things, I guess, that that keep me engaged. Is sort of how are these guys doing? Like, how are the mentally how do how do they handle this situation right because we as pacer fans i don't have a lot of experience like watching a shitty team i really don't you know i've definitely had seasons and they've been uh recorded for posterity's sake where i just said this team is decent but like i am bored with them so i'm not gonna watch i know exactly what's gonna happen so i'm just but that team still made the playoffs though absolutely right so like um and we've had teams that have missed the playoffs that i was much more engaged with Right. right. That I, you know, the year after Paul George broke his his uh, leg, that team was really fun to root for because they were mm-hmm. out there sure. fighting every night and scrapping and like almost getting it done. It is few and far between that you're rooting for a team that has a losing record even. Right. So um, sort of seeing how those guys deal with it, it is kind of interesting. And I mean, it, by and large, they come with their lunch pail and like are, you know, show up fighting. I, I think they do. I mean, I think that the, you know, the attitude on their faces is, is pretty good. I think they don't have confidence that they're going to win, but they're going to try. Like, they're not going to not try. They're all professionals, I think, is what I have taken away from this. You you have a disgusted look on your face. You don't, no, you I, don't I think they're, agree with that. No, I think they're professionals. I don't think that they – I mean – the reason Lance Stevenson is interesting, right, is because he's a little bit crazy and he's a little bit nasty. Uh-huh. And I think we have a full a full team of professionals who are just going to go out and do their business. And you don't win games, go out and do your business. Um, you go out and take the game. You go out and win the game. And I feel like that's why I got inspired by Lance being a part of this. And 
he's not a good enough player to suddenly be better than, you know, to be like the third best player on our team, but that's what he's become. Like, that's a problem. We picked him up off the scrap heap and like, he's now like our third best player. Like I, I have problems with the fact that we have Sykes and, and uh, Washington jr. And these guys give a shit and suddenly, um, you know, we're competitive. Like I, when you say that they're, but look, these guys are actually playing hard. We're still losing, Absolutely. but like I don't feel like I've seen this team passionate all season. But of and course, that's those been guys my are issue. Hard. Like this is the classic like uh, <clears throat> argument for people that like college sports versus the pros because you know the college guys care or whatever, and so they're passionate. They play hard, like, blah, blah, blah. Of course Kiefer Sykes and, and Gummy Bear are playing hard. They're playing for their NBA lives, right? Like, they can't not go out and play hard. And, you know, that doesn't mean that the other guys aren't um, bringing their, you know, hard hat to, to work and, like, doing their They're bringing their, their lunch thing. pail, but are they, like, sacrificing themselves to win an NBA game? No. They're bringing their lunch pail and they're going to work and then they're going home. And we have oh, okay. a team full yeah, of those I agree guys. With that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they're like they lack. Like they all haven't completely checked effort. out. Right. Like it's no. it's that's what's but, kind of interesting about this team. But there's, there's still... no but there's not enough passion. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. They haven't checked out, but they're also not like there's no sense of desperation. Yeah. Right. They're just not a very emotional bunch, it doesn't seem like. I don't know. Harper, what do you do? Why do you watch? Do you, uh, maybe you don't anymore. I feel like I have to because I have this podcast thing. <laughs> See, this is the thing. This is not what it's about. We do it because we love it, and we just would talk about it on the phone. You don't are have you, to watch this. Are you the... mirroring the Pacers right now? You're just coming and doing the podcast just because it's just going you know, through the motion. It's a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a paycheck. It's a very small paycheck. Yeah. I mean, this, you know. The, the past several weeks have been, yeah, un, uninteresting, right? I mean, now, like, the only, like, you figure you're going to go in and lose every game. Like, we've been joking, you know. Now the only question is, what new and creative way will we find to drop these games? I mean, it's normally some version of a 10-0 run, you know. This week it was sandwiched by two Lance free throws. So, yay, right? I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. There's... It seems like this is a team that should be able to to play fast uh, and get up and down the court, and we can do that for like three minutes and then we stop. And I just I don't know I don't I don't know what these guys are doing. They're they're it's tough to watch. I mean because they don't seem engaged like teams of the past have. Um, you know like the the replacements <laughs> that, that were Paul George during that season where. Uh, right. We knew it was lost from the beginning, right? I mean, you just you don't see that level of passion out of these guys at all. And Colson, what, what about you? What are a you... couple of things that resonate to me. I think about that 2018 uh, team um, with, you know, we'd put, trade away Paul George and nobody thought we were going to be anything. And we were, you know, assuming we were going to the lottery. And um, that collection of dudes played really hard and cared about each other and uh, exceeded expectations and we won 48 games there like that kind of thing interests me you know you also i also think of the year after the or the the, the same year of the brawl mm. where our same coach our same coach the coach that we have now coach carlisle took a team of nobodies guys off the street and took us to 41 wins because this franchise was in disarray and everything was a disaster. And yet either the coach cared enough or the guys off the street cared enough, or there was something in the energy of the building. There was the Reggie Miller still there. I don't know what it was, but there was a way that we were not going to lose. And we didn't lose with scrubs. And now we have basketball players, legitimate basketball players. And we're going to lose more than guys off the street with the same coach. 
Like, I have a lot of problem. I feel like there is something fundamentally wrong. And I'm I'm very nervous being a fan of this team going forward. I mean, there is. And, and to me, the thing that's still wrong is just it's a crisis of leadership, right? Like, you keep pointing to Carlisle and saying, like, you know, is this a coaching problem? Like, we're not prepared for this or xyz or you know whatever it is like is this a coaching thing and to me it's it may be but i think that the larger issue is it's a leadership team thing like who is the leader of this team like and in some cases it's the coach right like for instance like a a Thibodeau type team like Thibodeau is the leader of the knicks right even though julius randall is probably the best player or whatever right like they play to their coach's personality right now. And then they'll get burnt out a year from now and they'll, you know, quit on him and, and then it'll be sure. chaos and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so a coach can serve that role. I don't know that Carlisle is serving that role right now. I don't think he believes that it is his role. I think that he believes that, you know, one of the players in that locker room should be the guy that's leading the leading the charge and saying like, okay, let's go do this. And, you know, we've had this conversation for a few years now, <laughs> you know, basically ever since uh, Oladipo went down with an injury. It's like, who is the leader of this team? Is it Sabonis? Is it Brogdon? Et cetera, et cetera. Is it Miles Turner? Is no. It, it's not Miles Turner. It is not. Nor has it ever been Miles Turner. Oh, we, we, we used to fight for that. We used to hope that was the case. But I, I want to say that uh, briefly that uh, Harper made a really good point, um, I thought, last week, which was we didn't necessarily bring in Carlisle to fix our leadership issue and the emotional damage of these guys. Like, he's a basketball coach, right? And, like, if we had given him the – if we'd said to him as part of the pitch that you need to be either the leader of men in a way that, you know, you're not comfortable with, or, um, that, you know, there is a leader of men on this, uh, on this roster and you just have to pull it out. Um, he might have felt differently about coming to this franchise. I don't know if that would have been a, a sticking point for him. I think that that was a clear, from the outside, I think that that was a clear issue with this team. Last no, year. the issue was that we had a shitty coach last year, right? We had a coach that was mostly abusing these guys and making them feel terrible about themselves, and so we just needed a positive father figure. Well, but if you remember but clearly last that's year, not enough. If you remember last year, Oladipo was still on the team. And so there was a but he wasn't really playing. And so no, there he wasn't was playing, a question and he was on of, he was one one step out the door. No, I know. And so there was a question of who was the leader on that team, right? And maybe it just needed a year to ride out and like blah blah blah. And then and so Carlisle it has been around a lot of NBA teams over the last 40 five years or whatever right like he has lived literally my lifetime in nba circles right like so he recognizes these things as secondhand nature i think at this point and so i think he knew that was an issue and i think that it's not um out of the the job description of a coach to do at least some of that for his locker room right to say like i need to manage the egos in this room and come up with a group dynamic that is positive and uh, and productive for my team on the floor, right? And I think that, like everybody else in the world, uh, it was assumed that Malcolm Brogdon being called the president and being talked about as having all this great leadership skills was the de facto leader. It was like the obvious choice to become the leader on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe he assumed that mantle to some degree. But from what I'm seeing on the floor, like he just doesn't. It ain't working. Engender the 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 enthusiasm of his peers on the on the floor. I, what I would say about him is that he's a very efficient basketball player. Um, I I think that he's a savvy, smart basketball player. 
He knows when to shoot and when to go to the basket. And he, and he can give a solid pass to the other guy. Efficient isn't inspiring. Um, it's useful on a team. But if he's your leader, this is how we got here, right? Yeah, but you can be efficient and and be a good leader, right? You can be not the, the not the key guy. You can be not the best player on your team and be the leader of that team. Like, look at the Phoenix Suns right now. Chris Paul is the leader of that team. He scores, like, 12 points a game. Like, he doesn't care. Like, he's beyond the point where he needs to score buckets or take over games. But he sets the table for everyone. And he is, he knows, I mean, like, obviously he's a very extreme example. Like, he's one of the best point guards ever and probably one of the best team leaders ever, right? Because he manages every aspect of the game and he's probably psychopathic to some degree, right? Oh, he's a crazy person, for sure. But... You know, can we have a modicum of that from from Malcolm Brogdon? Can we ha- can can I see him going over and and talking to Chris Duarte and being like, you know, all right, here's what we need to do, or like bringing the guys together to have a huddle, like after a free right. throw or something like that, just say like, all right, what's going to happen on this next play? Here's what we're going to do. Like, I don't know. Well, just- this, this reminds me of the thing that uh, uh, Bill Simmons often talks about, which is that. Um, there's no way that Isaiah Thomas is not in the top five point guards of all time, but his stats don't show it up. But he says he watched this guy and he knew that for three and a half quarters, he was going to make everybody else better. He was going to spend his time not picking his spots, but figuring out what the other, you know, what the defense was doing, what his players needed, what their confidence was about. And then if they were down, he could go nuts in the fourth quarter. And so his career stats are only 18 points a game or whatever, you know? And so people will look back on it and say, he's not the best point card of all time. What I feel like Brogdon does very well is he understands when he can get his or he can hand it off. But he's not making us better. He's not spending three and a half quarters building up the other guys, the guy that's not confident, get him an easy layup, you know, uh, or or feeding it to the guy that's got a mismatch because it's going to make him better, you know. Like, I think Brogdon is a really smart player for his own game, but I'm not sure that he has it figured out for the team game. Yeah. And so can we rely on him as our team leader? Or can we just rely on him as an efficient point guard? I mean, I obviously we could use a good point guard. <laughs> I mean, that's for sure, right? <laughs> um, I, I think it's telling that you know when Carlisle first got here, he's he's trying on like Justin Holiday as the team leader, right? Like talking right, him right. up. You know what I mean? Right, for sure. And I, I don't know. I, like I said, I can't really figure out what is going on with these guys, right? It doesn't seem like it should be that big of a task for these guys to get together and be like, look, we're really struggling, you know, let's get our heads together and figure this thing out. Right. Like it's not rocket science to realize that something's very wrong, but I just, I can't tell if these guys just full out hate each other or what the deal is. Right. Yeah. Was there anybody that called a team meeting at some point? We used to have team meetings all the time. And we used to make jokes about how we were going to have another team meeting the next time we won or lost. Um, we haven't heard about a team meeting in two years. Right. I mean, now would be the time. 13 games under 500 and 1 and 9 in your last 10, right? I mean, what did it say? Two weeks ago <laughs> or more would have been the time. Yeah. Or yeah. now it's time to just roll over and, you know, show your belly. Well, but it, no player is going to do that, right? Like, what are we doing right now? Well, I mean, that's who, what, that is exactly getting, what we're doing, who, but nobody's going to... Who gonna, is getting on the ground and nobody's who's gonna getting Nobody's going to call a that? team meeting and say, hey, guys, let's roll over and, <laughs> and show our bellies now. Like, But right now, nobody's getting... You can go fishing. No, right now, it's nobody's fine. getting that rebound. Nobody's getting that loose ball. Nobody's doing it. So if you want to have a team meeting about doing those things, a little too late, probably. Yeah. It yeah. seems like Delmas would be the guy to call that team meeting, but I don't know... I, I don't know that he's like has that personality or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't seem to me that he does. But he's like we've talked. I've talked about this before. I think like he's the only guy that gives a shit. Like he's the he's the dude. Yeah. And it's strange to me that he's not 
more vocal about that stuff, right? I mean, he's clearly a smart guy. Like, he understands the game, right? Yep. Um, So it's always surprising to me that he hasn't stepped up in a more, you know, vocal leadership type of role because clearly it's super lagging on the squad. But I don't know if that... He was, like, scarred by Russell Westbrook his rookie season or something. Right. But, I, you know, I don't know whether... That speaks to, you know, Damanis Sabonis not wanting to be in that role, whether he doesn't want to be in Indiana, and he's just, like, biding his time until he can go someplace else. No, I don't I don't see that. I, I see a guy who uh, just wants to play good basketball. I Like, he, lo- he just basically, the moment Lance came back, he just started talking about Lance. Like, when he's got a guy that he likes to play with, he used to talk about McDermott all the time. Like, there, there's guys that he grooves with, and he just wants to do that. And I don't think he cares about where he's doing it. I think he just wants to play good basketball. Uh, so what I'm saying is I'm not saying he's not committed to Indiana. I'm saying he's committed to basketball in general. The fact that our franchise came out and said, you're on the trade block, maybe makes him a little less dedicated. But I think he just likes playing good basketball. Well, I mean, he's, but he's succeeded, and, and he's but he's not interested in in like having a shaping role in like a succeeding team. Like he just wants I to ball, and like I think he just wants to ball. Okay, I mean, I mean, like, look, how many people have you met? You know, we we have been in work environments our entire you know adult lives for the last twenty years. How many people do you know that aren't interested in being leaders, but they want to be a cog in a machine? I mean, most of them, but like. Most of them don't have extraordinary talent, right? Yeah. Like, and the level of competitiveness that it takes to go it, it, out and exactly. do what he does all day, every day. Like, it, it's so, hard for me to believe that that dude doesn't want to win because why else yeah. do all the work, right? That's right. You hit it on oh, the Oh, I think he there. wants to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he wants to win. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I'm not sure that he wants to lead a lock. But, like, typically, those are different Typically, things. In a workplace or on a team that I've been on, like the dudes that are like the most competitive are also the ones that are like, come on, get your mm-hmm. shit together. Like you're, you're, we're losing and this is not acceptable. And like, um, and it, it's funny because it, I sense that from Domas on the floor. Like I feel right. like he, you see him yell at people. Right. Know. But it doesn't seem to either carry the weight or I don't know. There's definitely some Get, level of undercut at some point accountability that just doesn't exist on this team, right? And right, I, I, I'm with you. It is confusing because it's, it seems like, I mean, again, Domus should be this role, and he seems like a pretty cool, chill guy, all things considered, right? Like he seems like the type of person that people would, you know, readily get in behind, and it, it, certainly he holds himself accountable. Um, that's part of the reason why he's as good as he is, right? He works hard and recognizes his mistakes and tries to improve. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it just makes it all the more confusing that he hasn't adopted that role or really even been just shoved into it in some way by Malcolm Brogdon or somebody else who doesn't yeah, want to yeah. do it or Miles Turner. Well, you know? but we've talked about this before. There's no, there's no chemistry between Brogdon and, and, and Demonis, uh, Sabonis. Like, like the thing is, is like Sabonis is giving us, he, he is an offensive threat, uh, the way that he can get to the basket, the way that he can also distribute. Um, he's a defensive presence by the rebounds he gets now does he get burnt on the perimeter all the time does he get burnt at the you know at the the goal all the time yes but you add these three things together what he does defensively on the boards um what he does offensively you know for himself and what he does for other people you can pretty run an offense room almost like you would a a Nikola Jokic right like I mean this guy has a ton of talent if I am the guy that's coming in and saying I'm the leader, if I'm the president, what is my job? My job is to create chemistry with the most talented person on the floor. And there is zero chemistry between Malcolm Brogdon and Demonis Bonas. Yeah. I wonder- Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Is that coaches? Is that Sabonis's? Is that Brogdon's? I mean, I feel like I feel like Sabonis has chemistry with like the 
you know, the guy that's, that mops up the floor after he falls down. Like, it's not Sabonis's fault. Like, that dude can play with it. Like you said, he's just like he's a, a baller. baller. Like, he'll play with anybody. <laughs> he's a baller, like, man. He just doesn't care. So He absolutely loves playing with Lance Stevenson. He just loves it. I he's think he likes playing it. with Justin Holiday. It's because Lance is a baller. With... Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. I wonder, to get back to his, like, leadership prowess or whatever, I wonder, I don't know enough about, I haven't been on enough basketball teams, but I wonder if there's something about, like, big guys in general are not typically, like, put into leadership-type positions or something like that on a basketball team. you got to throw them the ball. It's a different thing. Right, exactly, right? So, like, somebody else is sort of in charge. Point guards are normally the coach on the floor. Right. Like, Tim Duncan was was clearly the leader of those amazing, you know, Spurs teams or whatever. Okay, well, he was the last Bill line Russell of defense. Bill Russell was the greatest winner of all time. He was right, the last line of, of defense, those, right? like, sure. Okay. Carl Malone had plenty of help, but he was certainly a leader on his team. Right, right. Yeah, the, the, some Stockton vibes. Olajuwon, but, yeah. I think, was considered one of the leaders of that. Oh, my goodness. Alonzo so, Mourning. My favorite NBA player of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there goes that theory. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. But I, but I think this is a small number of guys that we've just picked out. Yeah. Right. Like, it, I think it takes a certain type of person to be a leader of that size. For sure. Because you're not bringing the ball up all the time. You're not making the decisions. Right. But yeah. I mean, anyway, yeah. And he's also not a defensive anchor. Most of those other guys that we. That we mentioned right. were defensive. Everybody anchors. else we mentioned, everyone yeah. else we mentioned were defensive. That's a good point. I mean, I wonder on some level if you know maybe Brogdon and Sabonis's games just don't fit very well together, right? I mean, I just kind of feel like they're both a bit of ISO players, <laughs> right? Right? Like the Brogdon Sabonis pick and roll is not feared around the league right now. Right. Right. No. Right. Right. Not at all. So we have to fix that by fixing their game or by trading one of them? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to change their game at this point, I don't think. Yeah, I think those stripes are... Can't change that cat stripes. I mean, Sabonis in general is not a great pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop kind of guy. Like, he's he's a playmaker, himself right yeah he's, a I mean, he's okay but like he's better with the ball in his hands like you want him Look, making decisions the, the, like basketball is very simple right i mean the offense is forcing the defense to make a decision okay and when the defense makes a decision you take advantage of it and that's what pick and rolls are that's what passing the ball is that's what skip passes is that all of it is about throwing off the defense so you can have a wide open look um, if I have a talented player like Demonis Sabonis, offensively, like, utterly gifted, and I also have a, you know, a guy who won Rookie of the Year who is incredibly efficient at the perimeter, those two should be able to figure out how to break down a defense. Yeah. And the fact that they a, can't... A, a coaching... The coach that has been around Which, the league for forty five right. years, like, who's yeah. won, who's yeah, who's won, who's won uh, championships. Like, yes, this should work. So why does it not? Uh, the, I don't know. I'm sure this is why. Uh, Donnie Walsh's uh, Scotch habit has reinvigorated, reinvigorated <laughs> these days. <laughs> All right, let's, we're not going to solve this, so let, let's uh, put a button in this or a pin in this here, and we'll. We're going to solve it. Don't don't yeah, don't it, lie to me. It may we'll solve itself, it but I don't think we're going to solve it. But <laughs> we'll figure it out at some point. Let's do. Uh, Joey's not here, but let's do a quick statistic of the Samana. Joey, stat of the week. Uh, <laughs> this week, uh, this one came to me from uh, the Enforcer. John Harper sent me this thing about, which I had never heard about before. So it's this uh, thing called DESI, which stands for the Dark Energy Spectroscopic Instrument. And I don't understand uh, the science behind how it works, but basically it's trying. the goal of this project is to map 
all of the galaxies in the universe. And so far, they have mapped 7.5 million galaxies across the universe. And they're adding a million a month. And that's about 10% of uh, the expected total or something like that. Okay, so so when you say you map the galaxy, what does that look like? So they are like shooting light beams out into space and capturing light from other suns tens of billions of light years away or something like that somehow five billion light years away and they can basically say okay here's a galaxy here's a galaxy here's a galaxy and they have these plots we'll we'll link to this i guess that um that say okay here's this far and here's this far and each of each point of light is a galaxy and it's just like dazzling numbers of lights and within each one of those lights uh is a hundred billion stars or something like that that's just blows my mind bonkers it's crazy and they're you know you're looking back in time and then they're kind of figuring out where everything is based on the red shift it's pretty neat do you understand how this works harper at all uh, like Desi itself? Yeah. Um, not really. I didn't dig that deeply into it. I mean, I know it's like a bunch of just fiber optic tubes or whatever organized by little tiny robots. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently there's 5,000 robots that control these individual optical fibers uh, that whose positions are accurate to within 10 microns. Uh, That's what she said which is uh less than the thickness of a human hair it's about the it's about the width of a nucleus in a mm. cell 10 microns uh for the for the biologists yeah out there <laughs> so yeah this is apparently there's lots of galaxies out there and so when you see numbers like this you're like oh yeah there's definitely light life intelligent life somewhere else out there for sure like there's no way there's not and 35 million galaxies uh jason you don't want to get into this because i have a ton of thoughts on this okay i've studied all the stuff about why we are not connected with intelligent life so that'll be a different podcast i think we've briefly gotten into this before i mean i mean largely my, my 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 favorite example is that uh to uh create um interstellar travel you have to create ai and ai will ultimately murder all humans right so there you go that's why yeah we there are there are lots of people who think that uh intelligent life has contacted us they just don't care that much about us hmm also fair we're not that cool (laughs) have you met the pacers (laughs) uh no that's yeah pretty cool stuff pretty what pretty wild wild wacky stuff uh okay so (laughs) solid work uh moving on finally to close out this week's episode let's do an under google colson what what can we help you with this week? Oh, are we doing under Google Bulls? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to, sir. So we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. So I actually got in an argument today with my roommate, um, and I was uh, I was mentioning that I needed a toboggan to go out and shovel the snow. I needed a uh, hat, um, sort of like a knit cap, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't have that on me at the time. I needed someone to produce a toboggan for me so I could go 
shovel the snow while it was snowing. And um, she said, uh, what are you talking about? A toboggan is a sled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, I agree. I think both things are true. I think a toboggan is a sled and a toboggan is a hat. And then um, I didn't Google it. <laughs> cool story. So why would she think a toboggan is a sled? And why do I think a toboggan is a hat? And why did I agree with her that they're both true when they're the same name and the same thing? And I'm just, I look, I was really angry and I, um, I went to bed mad. You're going to have to uh, fork over $150 an hour to answer that last question. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. you did some action. But, uh, I have a vague uh, feeling that uh, both are true as well. I don't know why that is. Well, what's a toboggan to you? I have n- I like never said toboggan. What's, I, your, what's, what's your toboggan? A sled. It's more a sled to me than a hat. I have, never called, I have never what called. I have never called a hat. A I've also never. I'm actually surprised that you asked for a toboggan and we're asking for a hat. What kind? What kind of sled are you talking about? Toboggan. Uh, one with rails. See, there's a ton of issues here. I'm thinking of one with like a your your classic one with the two rails and then wood slats on the top and then a curved. Oh wait, actually maybe oh, it's just flat things. on the bottom with a curved. Flat thing. on the thing with the curved thing. Yeah, that's what I think of. Yeah, I think I that's don't think what of I think rails. Of. Yeah, not the rails, not the rails. Yeah, Harper, what do you? Do you yeah, agree? I agree with that. Yeah, I, I had I've never heard that's of a, a hat being referred to as a toboggan before. That is absolute news what? to me. You and I have spent so much time together, and I've referred to the. We spent so much time in Minnesota when we put on hats. It's a toboggan. I don't even think I the wore hats back the then, little... man. I'm, I'm not no, a millionaire, no, no, like, right? I don't know. It's a knit hat with a little puffy thing on the top. <laughs> I definitely that's don't wear hats with that's puffy things on them. Thing I know with, you don't. Maybe that's why you don't remember it. That's why I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I've never heard of it. I'm just saying I agree that you probably never heard that phrase because you never wore that stupid hat. <laughs> but I definitely did. So in <laughs> Canada, isn't that called? That's like a toque, right? That sounds very Inuit. That's a weird... Yeah, it's exactly. a hat. I, I like Wonkwen. Yeah, it's a toque, I think. <laughs> maybe it's a toboggan. I don't know. That's strange. Where do we think this this word originated? This also seems like um, an Algonquin word or something. Mm-hmm. Or like, I agree. So it's so it's American Indian. That would be my guess. Or, sounds like it's me. Or it's, I mean, that sounds Frenchish or Germanish to me. Toboggan. It's a strange construction. Toboggan. Like you know, like the very, very German. Toboggan. I could maybe buy German. That's very French. French. But uh, uh, for me to poop on toboggan, <laughs> toboggan. No, I think it's French. I'm going with French. Mm. I think the French, uh, they like the snow. Do they? I don't know. Yeah, they like to ski. They like to go to the Alps and ski. For sure. Yeah, they're in the Alps. Ooh, no, 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 no. I think it's even better than this. <laughs> I think they're the French in their uh, the Americas. They're hanging out in the snow, and they're coming up with words. <laughs> All right. The Bogon. The Bogon. Um, very I want to wear a hat. I want to wear a hat. Because, like, the thing is, they're real into hats, man. Like, you you know, the, the, the French hats. The chapeaus and, and the berets. Yeah, exactly, and exactly. And so, like, at some point, like, you get, like, a really knit hat. I mean, they're like, the bogon. <laughs> and we're in we're in the middle of America's in the, you know, and uh, I don't know, in the, uh, the Rocky Mountains. Why did they the name bogon. a hat after a sled? But no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think they named it after a sled. I think the sled was named after the hat. Why well, did someone name a sled after a hat? Why wouldn't you name a sled after? That? So oh. if your hat is about being cold, and then you go like build a thing to like, but that just sled seems on, confusing. 
Now you're just, you're I just agree. creating confusion. The entire thing is confusing. This is I mean, why that it's not on the Google None of it makes sense. Yeah. Why is it the same way? Am I wrong that they're not the same thing? You agreed with me earlier that they're the same thing. I have no idea. I I have. You a, think a toboggan is a sled I and also a, a hat? Is a sled. You agree with that? I, you agree with that? That a toboggan is also a sled I've and a hat? I've heard people refer to hats as toboggans. But I don't so know if it's a common term or a, a misappropriation of the term. So you're saying that I'm lying to you? No. I mean, that does I'm seem like a really high probability that? outcome to me. I think a toboggan <laughs> is a hat and not a sled. Although I agree that it's a sled. This is the conversation that I have with my roommate. I agree that it's probably the same. It's probably regional. Um, but, like, I think the hat came first from the French because they love the hats. <laughs> And uh, toboggan, toboggan, and then, um, and then we get to uh, a sled somehow. Okay, I'm gonna go sled first. Native yeah, American wait, wait, Indian. Wait, 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 wait. I think it's okay, Before we do this, I need an era. Sled first, American Indian. Yeah, I think era. It's, it's it's we stole it from the the American Indians. So so those are beginning in the. 1600, 1700. I mean, 1600s. that's when it landed in English, right? It may have been in use for 10,000 years right. previously, right? Because they're pre-literate societies for the most part. Exactly. But So toboggan is an American Indian phrase? Uh, that's, I mean, we're, that's our that's, guess. That's what, what I'm guessing, guessing. yeah. All right, I'm, I'm guessing French. And you're going French. French. When? 1800s when. when they're out in Canada. Uh, no, no, 1800, 18, no, 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 no. I think, I think it's, I think it's, no, I think it's like beaver trade, you know? Like, I think it's America. I think it's Alaska. I think it's Alaska beaver trade. So, so what is that? 1800s? Nah, 1700s. Okay, sure. Late 17, early 1800s. That's what I'm going with. I'm thinking Alaska beaver trade, they're sledding and, um, Wearing hats. Chapeaus. Chapeaus. Toboggan. Right. Noun. Long flat bottom sled. Mm-hmm. 1829. From Canadian right. French tabagane. Tabagan. Ah. From, Al- from an Algonquian language. Oh, Jesus. I said Algonquian. Such as malicite. What? Ooh. So. Okay, so basically, Nick-nack I'm totally right. Is what I'm saying. It came from like northern France and Algonquins. Uh, so we're saying Canadian French. Canadian French. Northern France. <laughs> that would be Western France, if anything. <laughs> I don't know. As an American English colloquial for a type of long woolen cap, it is recorded from 1929. Presumably because one wore such a cap while tobogganing. Okay, so... So, basically, I'm... So, if I'm a French man riding a sled, I'm riding a toboggan. But if I wear a chapeau, it's also a toboggan? If you're in the American South, is what I'm reading. What? What? I'm. There isn't snow in the American South. Right. Exactly. So that's stupid. Hold on, I'm getting there. It's, it's a actually, very long article on Atlas Obscura yeah. that gets in. It's actually short for so. toboggan cap. So. Oh, uh, okay. This is how we get it confused. Yes. So I would wear a knit cap with a ball on it. When I doesn't necessarily have to have a ball on, on top of it. Jason. <laughs> Jason. Fuck you! <laughs> wow. Oh wow! Bring the heat the about his toboggan has a ball cap. on the cap. Okay. Now I have to put the like. Because you got so salty uh, about your toboggan cap. Now we got I the did. explicit. I know I'm saying. On our... the, the, look, look. There's a ball on the cap. Is all I'm saying, Jason. Just back mm. off. Uh, so. The divergence between two forms of toboggan is relatively easy to track. The use of toboggan oh. to mean sled dates back to 1829. A French-Canadian adaptation of an Algonquin word. Because of the freezing conditions, toboggan riders often wore knit hats to keep them warm. These hats soon became known as toboggan hats. 
but since at least 1929, the second word has been dropped. In the American South, where snow is rare, the connection between toboggan and sled faded, and the primary definition of toboggan thus became hat. It can also be a verb. Wow. Wow. To Mm -hmm. use or coast on a toboggan, or to fall rapidly as prices or one's fortune. (laughs) Mm. So you could just toboggan out of that shit? Mm -hmm. Um, so okay, one one question. The, the, all of this uh, feels feels uh, very truthy to me, but I'm concerned about what's the what did the French steal from the Indians? They uh, derived... what did they call what are they okay, calling so... sleds or hats or like what was the thing that the French stole? Right. So okay, so the French tabagane derives from Algonquin word, uh, probably of the Mi'kmaq uh, language, Tepecan or Dabogan. Um, it doesn't really say what those words mean. Let me see. Okay. But uh, you assume it's a sled or a hat? This s- I'm assuming it's a sled. This is sled, yeah. So okay, okay. This article on dictionary.com says the Tabogan from Mi'kmaq is equivalent to unrecorded Proto Algonquin went up high to drag a cord. So mm. they may have pulled the sleds with a cord or something. Yeah, like that. and there's like yeah, pictures of sure. like toboggans being pulled by sled dogs. That's what, I, that's what I watched today all day. You got kids, uh, the parents are walking their kids down the street in the sleds. So. Out there tobogganing. Tobogganing. With the toboggans on their noodles. Wearing their toboggans on their heads. <laughs> This is why it was a question, and I do I know more than I did before? Yes, you know a lot more than you did before. And that's why this is better even than what Google can give you. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to my charming voice this week, fans. <laughs> uh, hopefully, Joey will be back with us next week. Uh, between now and then, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. You can go to our website, TheUndebeatables.com, and use a contact form. Or you can fire up your rocket mail and (laughs) send an email to shoutout at TheUndebeatables.com. And if you want to go to our website, you can put in an order for the last medium t-shirt, and we will promptly toboggan it to your doorstep. (laughs) So that means we're going to put it in a hat and throw it at them. (laughs) Exactly. It's a hat trick. (laughs) Oh, well done. Well played, sir. Uh, For the architect, Donnie Walsh, who I think of all the time when I I go to sleep, I, I think about how he'd make this better. I miss him. I wish she'd call me. <laughs> and uh, the once and always coach, uh, coach Bobby Sills Leonard, turn out the light. The party's over. I thought he was going to fall asleep halfway through. Yeah. Was... We almost lost him there. <laughs> I was... <laughs> <laughs> He's like snowed in in his basement. <laughs> just, just barely hanging on. Doesn't quite know what day it is. Party's over.